Blog Talk Radio. Welcome aboard, my minions. My name is Tom Mark Wazell, Presidente. I am on loan from God for the next two hours. Myself and my crew will guide you through this crazy world of sports. We do this thing called the Battle Every Morning. It is the Saturday before Christmas. Hope everyone is ready. I know that some NFL teams are wanting some Christmas miracles. Obviously, among those, the Indianapolis Colts will get into that. Later on in the show, standing by in our green room, though, is Rick Riggin, executive producer of The Balance, and Matthew Embry, our college uh, football contributor, IndyCar contributor, and all-around great guy. And then uh, we'll have Ed Kratz on as well today. Obviously, our official NFL uh, contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles with the Sports Exchange. Uh, and then Mo for the BS Sports Show is going to uh, be joining us. And also, we've got a couple of super fans from the Steelers and the Browns. I believe Adam and Kyle both are going to be calling in sometime in the NFL. Uh, during the NFL talk to talk about their prospective teams. My name is Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back. Get this thing started. Tonight. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. A lot of you might think that's Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but actually that's the Metallica's version of it, and that's just for you, uh, Rick. Merry Christmas to you, sir. How are you? Well, thank you very much. Pretty good. How are you? (laughs) Hey, Matt. (laughs) Matthew Embryoso joins us. Matthew, how are you? You ready for Christmas, sir? I was actually thinking that was Mannheim Steamroller, but I digress. Oh, Mannheim Steamroller. That would have been another one. A lot of people confuse Mannheim Steamroller with Trans-Siberian Orchestra. No comparison. Both good bands. I, I had an opportunity to go see Trans-Siberian Orchestra earlier this month here in Indianapolis. I'm going to tell you what. What a stage show that is. And and I also found out that Metallica is coming here in – I don't remember when it was. I told you. I believe it's in March. 
we might be doing a, a trio, me, you, and your wife, because uh, <laughs> my, be my other, my, <laughs> if I say ear quotes, my chick isn't going to go see Metallica. That's for sure. That's okay. And she, I, I showed her that text you sent me, Rick, and, uh, about you're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to Metallica without my wife. And, uh, All right. <laughs> and she's like, she texts me back. She's like, and there's no way this chick is going to uh, Metallica, so we might be doing well, the trio why. thing. I mean, they're not they're not like a death metal <laughs> fan or anything. I wonder why. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So that's okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I'm just well, excited. We're going. <laughs> well, I I I, I told you that. Right, sorry about that. Hey, how you doing, Rick Riggin here? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, hey, what you do know, you think about possibly uh, Kurt Busch uh, return to the Indy 500 with Ganassi? That's the last rumor this week. I, I saw that. I was getting ready to, to lead into that with you. Uh, Matthew, real quickly, before we get into some of this college football talk, I know we do have some news out of the the racing scene, uh, and certainly uh, some things uh, talking about uh, with Indianapolis. So get us up to speed in the funny season with IndyCar. Well, Dragon Speed has joined the party. Uh, for those of you that are not aware of Dragon Speed, that's the team that's based in Europe uh, with American ties, uh, led by Elton Julian, the ex-Formula uh, One prospect. Uh, he signed uh, Ben Hanley, another ex-Formula One prospect, to drive that entry. That now means we have 28 confirmed seats for the Indy 500, a possibility we could go as high as 40, if not 42, uh, for this bay. So a lot of... Uh, Dicing around, and I think uh, looking at the potentials list, you still got two full-time seats potentially at Carlin. Possibly if Kimball can find more money, Art C. Ederson's another possibility there. And again, we could see possibly as many as six for Mandretti. And then uh, it'll be very curious to see what Foyt does if they enter a third car. Uh, if they do the same conglomerate, who wins out? Because of course, uh, Jonathan Bird the second has his driver James Davison. And now uh, Bellardi has their driver, uh, Zachary Clayman DeBello, for Indy Lights this upcoming year. So I'll be very curious to see which driver wins out and gets that right if uh, Foyt does uh, run another collaborate uh, with uh, the group from Bird, uh, Bellardi, and Hollinger as he did uh, this past May. Well, it's going to be absolutely We're just a little over 100 days away uh, from the Indianapolis 500 here in Indianapolis. Exciting times. But also, very exciting times as we get ready for this uh, week of uh, bowl games. And and uh, as we get closer toward the end of the year, obviously we've got the big uh, bowl games we'll be talking about in more detail next week uh, on New Year's Day. Uh, but we are getting into the bowl game season. But before we do that, guys, I don't know if you heard this or not. This is not an onion story. It's a real story. Urban Meyer is going to stay employed at Ohio State University, not as a coach, but as a professor. He will be leading a and uh, teaching a course in leadership and mentorship. Uh, a little bit different, but uh, it's a true story uh, uh, reported there out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. What are your thoughts, Rick? Well, I would say that uh, you know you can't make this stuff up. I have heard about it. I know Hollywood is out of movie ideas. This would be a great one for them to do a movie about. This is a guy that, uh, because of medical conditions, says he cannot remember anything anymore, but he remembered the leaked text messages in the whole Zach Smith case. Uh, he never forgets what to do on third down, but yet he can't remember anything. Uh, but this is the guy <laughs> they bring in to uh, uh, teach about leadership and mentorship. So uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. I was actually really shocked. Uh, it's one of those things where real life is funnier than jokes and memes, I guess. But uh, 
I don't really have a thought on it. I, it was just really shocking and laughable when I saw this yesterday. Uh, Matt, uh, what, what are your thoughts? Urban Meyer going to the classroom. He's going to teach a leadership class at the Ohio State Buckeyes Business School. Is this a joke? It really is not a joke. It's a joke. It's not I, a thought joke. It, I thought, I thought <laughs> it was like something out of the onion. Or, it, is, it is absolutely for real. This is like Jim Herrick Jr. coaching or, do, or taking a class or running a class at the University of Georgia involving basketball where the final exam says, how much is a three-point basket worth? <laughs> right. That's good. You're right. Seriously. You're right. It, it's like Reggie Bush teaching a class on nonprofit like charity organizations or a classical first teaching a gun safety class. Thank you. <laughs> well, guys, well, let's uh, we'll, we'll let that lie where, it's, where it lies. I, you know, uh, it, it is uh, common to talk about. But let's get into, uh, well, first of all, before we get into these bowl games, last week, Cro- uh, uh, Crossroads Classic here in Indianapolis, Notre Dame, Purdue, and Butler and IU. You cannot ask for a better finish in the Butler and IU game. We'll start with you, uh, Matt. First of all, we talked about on this show last week uh, who's the going to be the most polished turd. Turned out to be Notre Dame over Purdue. Uh, but what are your thoughts of the Crossroads Classic, Notre Dame, Purdue, and that magnificent finish by Indiana over uh, Butler? Yeah, Notre Dame won, but as Rick Rickett knows, it came with the price. Uh, Rex Fluger tore his ACL. He is out for the season. Uh, team looked a little bit sluggish this week against Binghamton and uh, Jacksonville on Thursday. And I got to say, Rick, uh, I was talking to Chuck Freeby with WHME, and uh, he is convinced that this team at best is may win, not even win seven games uh, in the ACC uh, coming up uh when the regular season gets going, because now, I mean, you had a leader at Fluger, and now you're going back to a T.J. Gibbs that doesn't seem like he is interested in being on that leadership role, even though he is a senior, and you have all these freshmen around there. I just don't know, without a solid base now, without Fluger, I don't know how this team's going to be successful when we get the ACC play next week. Yeah, you're right. I, I can't put it any better. You just did. That's my thoughts exactly. Uh, they were kind of in a rebuilding and reloading year anyway, and now they've lost their main piece to build with. So I, I don't know how it's going to shake out rest of the season, but not winning seven games in the ACC is probably likely. So, yeah, 100%, 100% agree. And add to that, I think you look at Indiana Purdue, Tom. Uh, Indiana, I think, is they looked very sluggish against, I'd say, a mediocre at best Butler team. And it had to come down to a last-second shot for them to win the game. I think that's concerning if you are uh, in the Archie Miller camp uh, for them. So I got to say, I mean, I've, it's been what three years—the last time no Indiana school made it to the NCAA tournament—and uh, I think Indiana will get in. But I really do not like Purdue's chances. I certainly do not like Notre Dame's chances. And Butler, I also think is going to be a long shot to make it the tournament. So. Hate to say it, but uh, maybe everybody in Indiana may become a Hoosier fan uh, this year because that may be the only shot you have uh, as far as a uh, Hoosier State team getting into the NCAA tournament. Rick, I don't think it's going to be the Aces, though. 
based on what I'm seeing so far this year with the Evansville Aces. I know you're down there a lot, and uh, so uh, we, we don't talk a lot about uh, University of Evansville uh, Aces, but uh, certainly the Purple Aces are uh, a good team to talk about if you live here in the Hoosier State, but they aren't uh, doing as they've been able to do in the past anyway. Well, I'm actually going to a game today with my dad, but uh, their deal this year is they brought in a brand-new head coach, Walter McCarty. So that was a really great hire for yeah, UE. Yeah. Uh, they show flashes of what he's trying to do. Uh, they just played Murray State the other day down at Murray State and just lost by two points. Murray State has a, a kid on their team. It's going to be an NBA lottery pick. And they hung around with Murray State, only lost by two points. Uh, they do look good at times. This isn't going to be the year. Next year they do have a five-star transfer from Kansas, actually. He's on the team now, but he can't play this year. So next year, the season after, is probably the, uh, the time to watch UE. This is just uh, Walter McCarty getting, getting his feet wet this year at being a brand-new head coach. Well, let's get into the uh, games today. We've got, obviously, uh, yesterday we had the Bahama Bowl, uh, FIU over uh, Toledo, and then we had the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, uh, just uh, BYU just uh, came in and crushed that that one, uh, 49 to 18. Today we've got the Birmingham Bowl. We'll start there today at noon. Memphis at Wake Forest. We talked about this game a little bit last week uh, or the part, week prior. Uh, but let's talk break, break this down. We'll start with you, Matt. Uh, Bur- uh, Memphis at Wake Forest. Well, if you believe UCF is legitimate, uh, you have to include Memphis in it because they certainly came the closest on two occasions to knocking out the Golden Knights. Uh, Wake Forest had a decent run. I mean, they had a decent run against uh, teams like Notre Dame early in the season, but then they kind of uh, flatlined uh, through the rest of the campaign. So I guess based on that, I have to take a flyer and say Memphis finds a way to win this game. Let me correct myself. I said at Wake Forest. It's obviously at Birmingham because it's the Birmingham Bowl. I think everybody knew what I was talking about. But just to, to be clear on my game, it is not at Wake Forest, but rather in Birmingham. Rick, what say you? Yeah, no worries, man. Don't beat yourself up over that. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, uh, yeah, I'm with Matt. Memphis going to get the win here. I actually think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Both offenses score a lot of points. Uh, they, they both work really fast. Uh, there's going to be a lot of possessions for both teams in this game. I'm thinking like maybe 80 to 100 snaps on offense for both teams. So very fast-paced game, uh, a lot of offense in this. I think Memphis gets the win, though. Well, I absolutely agree. I think we're all in agreement on this. This is going to be a, 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 a tough game. I think Wake Forest is going to be a little bit more challenging than what a lot of people believe. Uh, but I certainly think that Memphis has – been firing on all cylinders on all three phases of their team, and I think they, they come out uh, victorious today. Uh, we move over to the Armed Forces Bowl, Houston versus Army, and you know where I'm going with this, guys. Go Army, Matt. I can't say I'm overly impressed with Houston's done. I think they've regressed from the run they had when they were beating teams like Oklahoma two years ago. They're not the same team that they were then. Uh, and Army, uh, presently, uh, won the Commanders and Chiefs trophy. First time they successfully defended it. I think that accounts for something. So I think West Point's the team to beat here. Yep, totally agree there, too. I like Army in this game. Uh, Houston has, uh, you know, regresses the uh, season progressed. And then, uh, you know, Ed Oliver, they're Houston's best player, is not even going to play because he's getting himself ready for the NFL draft. So uh, I'll take Army in this one. 
Well, we're in agreement. This is the the Earth is shattering underneath our feet. Is this a is this a, I, a, a, a <laughs> is, is 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 this an earthquake about that? All right, guys, let's go over to the Dollar General Bowl. I mean, I I don't know. There's just something cheap about this bowl. See what I did there? Uh, Buffalo at Troy. Uh, not a lot to talk about here on this game, but you got to give Troy for getting to the bowl. But I just think Buffalo has the ability to be the stronger team. And a lot of people disagree with me on that. This actually might be an upset of the week because uh, Troy very well could beat Buffalo. Matt, what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I got to say uh, men's basketball first. Buffalo certainly didn't look good uh, last night against LSU. They got beat by 20 points. Uh, so much for them to be a top 15 ranked uh, team in NCAA men's basketball. Here, though, I think Troy's going to give them a run, but I think Buffalo is able to eke out uh, a narrow victory in this one. Rick? Yeah, Tom, and uh, I will just go back to last week where you learned a new word called maction. Uh, I'll take Buffalo on this one, too, <laughs> even though you can look back to uh, Troy last year beating LSU at LSU. Out of, it's not the same Troy team, though, as it was last year, so I'll take Buffalo on this one. Guys, let's go out to the islands of Hawaii. Uh, we got we've got uh, Louisiana Tech uh, versus Hawaii. And uh, Matt, I, I I know we talked about Hawaii earlier on in the season, but Hawaii being a very good team, and so not only do they have the home field advantage, uh, they have what it takes to win this bowl game. I, I think. This is Hawaii's game all day long. If you're going to stay up late at 10:30 at night for a kickoff, uh, I don't know that you're you're staying up for anything exciting other than to stay up and watch football. Maybe you got some uh, skin in the game, but uh, 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 Louisiana Tech versus Hawaii in Hawaii Bowl, Matt. Yeah, I was thinking eventually Hawaii's defense would get a clue. Unfortunately, once again, it didn't happen. That's what cost them. And unless they could uh, score 40, 50 points with their lack of their defense, which has been their Achilles heel all the time, uh, I'm predicting a Louisiana Tech to pull up the upset here. Yeah, and this is uh, one of those games where you're in Hawaii. It's like a bunch of people being on vacation and then going to a football game they don't really want to be at. So that's pretty much the uh, the feeling around that game, I would say, in Hawaii, L.A. Tech, and uh, – you said, is it LA Tech or Lafayette against Hawaii? Uh, LA Tech. That's Louisiana okay. Tech, right? Bulldogs. Right. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to take Hawaii in this because it's in Hawaii and their quarterback has like one of the easiest names to remember because it's a childhood song. It's Cole McDonald. Uh, he looked really good at quarterback. So, <laughs> uh, he's Cole actually a really good quarterback. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Cole McDonald. Uh, I'm taking Hawaii yeah. in this one. Your 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 stab at humor is not is not that not that good not that good, sir. Do you guys uh, do you know what kind of current? You know we're talking about bitcoins and stuff. Do you know what kind of currency? Because you know we're talking about having colonies in outer space and all that. They're going to have to have some kind of currency that'll that'll work out there. Do you know what that what currency will work there? No. Starbucks. Next question. Starbucks. Starbucks. Next question. Ah! <laughs> See what I did there. Let's talk a little bit about the Rose Bowl uh, as we get into the 2019 uh, Big Six games on New Year's Day. 
Uh, Rose Bowl, obviously we can't talk enough about Ohio State and Washington, but let's go ahead and talk about this game. We'll start with you, Matt. Early uh, look ends into the uh, 2019 Rose Bowl, Ohio State uh, versus Washington. I think you have a case for Ohio State. Feels like they got gypped out of a star in the top four. I think Washington's got something to play for. A lot of uh, frustration, Chris Peterson, with a couple of commitments in the early signing period going elsewhere, uh, including, I think, one that uh, may end up going to Notre Dame. Uh, We haven't heard uh, about his decision yet, but there's a possibility uh, the uh, ex-Washington or commit could go to Notre Dame. So that could be one thing, and another five-star going into Notre Dame's class for 2019. But uh, I think based on that uh, motivation right there, I think Washington finds a way to win this game. Rick, uh, let's let's break this down. The X's and the O's, uh, Rose Bowl game, Ohio State. We get to we'll talk more detail about this next week. But certainly, Ohio State and Washington. Well, yeah, just to pick up on what uh, Matt just said about the uh, Asa, I can't remember his last name. The, the recruit he's talking about has been committed to Washington ever since, like, the spring. And uh, if you heard Chris Peterson's uh, comments uh, about it, it sounds like he's already made his decision to go to Notre Dame, but it hasn't been made official yet because he called Notre Dame vultures. But uh, So that's looking pretty good for Notre Dame anyway, you know. So it's good for us. Uh, my X's and O's would be uh, Haskins, uh, Dwayne Haskins. If I just going to light it up in this game because I had not sold on Washington's defense. Uh, it's going to be his last game with Ohio State because uh, I think they're going to make room and really push and get Justin Fields from, you know, Jake Fromm's quarter, uh, backup quarterback at Georgia. Probably going to be at Ohio State next year. Uh, my take on all Big Ten teams in bowl games this year is going to be the way it worked last year. Uh, they're all going to win except for Michigan. I think five teams or six teams in the Big Ten went to the bowl games last year, and the Big Ten went five in Michigan. So I think that's going to be the case this year. They're all going to win. Hold up, hold up, hold up. You are saying Purdue is going to beat Auburn in the Music City Bowl. Are you kidding me, Rick? <laughs> I'm going to take it. You saw him line up Ohio. I am not convinced Auburn this year. I know there's always this drama with Gus Malzahn. Every year he, he, he can, he's a good coach. Then next season he's not a good coach, and they want him out of there. Then they love him and bring him back in, sign him to a bigger contract extension or whatever. I'm saying that uh, the Notre Dame fan of me thinks Every Big Ten team is going to win except for Michigan. That is my professional analysis. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm thinking Michigan will win, and the majority of the other Big Ten teams will not win. Is IU playing anywhere? <laughs> no. No. They lost the Oakwood Bucket Bowl, and that's why they're not playing a bowl game. <laughs> to Purdue, the the more the more polished uh, the more polished uh, turd, if you will. I Let's still cannot in. believe. I still cannot believe they lost that game. I think if you looked on everything on paper for that old Oakland Bucket game, that had IU's victory written all over it. And I kept telling, in fact, I was telling my family on Thanksgiving, there is going to be an I link added to that trophy, and somehow they lost that game. Oh, I thought you were going to say something there, uh, Matt. I apologize. Let's go into the Orange Bowl. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Alabama. I, I mean, we, we, we can't talk enough about Alabama. Alabama and Oklahoma, let's play the devil's advocate here. Let's just play the devil's advocate here. 
puppy dogs and butterflies. Matt, what happens to the world if Oklahoma beats Alabama? Not much, because I think uh, you could say it's legitimate because, well, Alabama just couldn't stop the uh, Heisman Trophy winner and Kyler Murray. I mean, the guy is going to be – I mean, it's a shame he's not going to try to do a Bo Jackson, try to play two sports, but, you know, he's got a lot of athletic talent, and uh, I think uh, if you're Billy Bean, you're feeling real good about uh, what he's going to provide to Oakland uh, potentially in the next year or two uh, once he gets up to the major league level. But uh, Tua did make himself look vulnerable in the Georgia game, so I'll be very curious to see how he bounces back. But uh, I think that Georgia game uh, certainly showed that Alabama, if they are not firing all cylinders, can be beaten. Yeah, let's, I, let's I, talk I, about this. Go ahead. It, all right, I thought you were going to go to me next. So anyway, go ahead, yeah, Tom. You're, you're right. I was going to you. I was just going to make it an intro statement. I was just going to say, Rick, you know, uh, Oklahoma has the, the capability and the weapons to beat Alabama, but Alabama just, until they prove us otherwise, they're just unbeatable. Uh, it, it, Tua or no Tua, uh, they're, just, they're just unbeatable. But if Oklahoma does beat Alabama, that just is going to – create a a uh, ripple effect throughout the entire college football world well i think it'd be great for college football because i think outside of being an alabama fan you're sick of seeing alabama in the national title game every year and seeing alabama and clemson go head to head i would love, love even if it's not notre dame going to make it to the final i would love to see somebody like oklahoma go because i'm just sick of the uh, uh me personally i sick of seeing alabama and clemson every year uh, the only way Alabama gets this uh, or Oklahoma gets this done is uh, they're going to have to play the best game they played all season, for one, uh, because their defense gives us a lot of points. I know they switched defensive coordinators, you know, towards the end of the year. They kind of went back to a basic defensive scheme, and just because of that, they've done a little better. But Tua or no Tua, uh, we saw Jalen Hurts is very capable still uh, bringing the Alabama back against Georgia. They're going to have to play defensively, uh, both sides of the ball, really, the best game they played all year, but that's going to happen. Guys, let's talk a little bit about some college hoops, hoopage before we, we uh, end the segment here. Uh, but uh, let's let's talk a little bit about, I mean, in, in my opinion, anyway, the best basketball team out there right now is Duke. And you look at Duke and what they've been able to do. We'll start with you, Matt. When you look at what Duke has been able to do, I know they've been playing off collar teams, if you will. That's probably the wrong word to use, but off teams that they would you would expect that they would win. But the point is Duke is playing some really good solid solid uh basketball and they played a very good game against Texas Tech. Uh Duke is a uh, gonna be another one of those ga- teams that we're talking about in the final four this year in March, unless I'm proven wrong. Uh, Duke Duke is the al- equivalent of the Alabama in football right now in basketball. Well, the thing, though, that Duke's doing, though, is they're starting to show a side like Kentucky is, and that is gambling on one-and-done players. I mean, with a revolving door roster, being able to build continuity and being able to upstand the pressure in the tournament is uh, a question mark. I mean, remember, this is a Duke squad that, in this kind of format, has lost to teams like Lehigh, Mercer. I mean, this is not a slam dunk here when you gamble – on one-and-done players like Duke does, Kentucky does, and I think to a case Indiana is doing with Romeo Langford, uh, 
you run the risk of being embarrassed. And I think uh, if you're looking for a team right now that is a threat, I would say uh, right now the team I think that is the biggest threat at this point to possibly win a national title is not Duke. I would say it's someone maybe like a Michigan who is undefeated right now. Rick, let's, Rick what are your thoughts on Duke? I mean, you can't you can't rule out Kansas either. Obviously, Kansas is number one, Duke number two, Kansas nine and zero, oh, and and Duke uh, nine and one, and you've got Tennessee uh, hanging out around right there at uh, number three, uh, and certainly a uh, Big Ten team, Michigan at eleven and zero. Oh. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with Matt. Uh, you rely on talent, you know, a lot more because there's no experience when they're one and done, right? Uh, we saw Duke lose to, uh, to Gonzaga this year already anyway because uh, experience is what uh, uh, got Duke beat in that game. You know, Gonzaga has a lot of experience, and I would say Gonzaga is a big threat too. They just beat Denver by 61 points yesterday. So uh, I'll say Kansas and Gonzaga, Michigan, all three are, are huge threats to Duke this year. And then, Rick, question. You talk about those mid-majors, Buffalo and Furman. Both of them thoroughly whacked last night out of the Rebel of Undefeated. Buffalo losing by 20 to Marquette. Furman losing by 20 to LSU. Are we off the bandwagon of those two schools at this point? Yeah, I think so. You can't take a loss like that and then still uh, be serious contenders, I would say. Guys, uh, let's talk a little bit about a big rivalry, and that they're not necessarily playing each other this week, but Indiana and Kentucky. Kentucky ranks higher than Indiana in, in the in the AP poll, but yet Indiana has has a better record, uh, yet uh, Kentucky has scored more points. We'll start with you, Matt. Uh, certainly Kentucky-Indiana, big rivalry. It's good to see Indiana finally ranked again. I'm kind of shocked to see that Kentucky is, is ranked number 19 and Indiana number 22. I'll take that, especially with Indiana. I'll take it all day long, every day. But it's concerning to me to see Kentucky ranked so low. Are we beginning to see an end to a dynasty with the Kentucky Wildcats? Again, like I said, that is the risk you take when you have a revolving door roster where you do not have any continuity. You are always kind of just throwing the dice and hoping you don't throw craps. And the last couple of years when they have gone that strategy, Kentucky has thrown craps. Now, I don't think it's going to affect them when they play Indiana, but I think when you look at some of these other tournament teams, there is a reason that they fell out early in last year's and this past year's NCAA tournament because the continuity is there and you're relying on a bunch of freshmen to get the job done for you, and sooner or later it's not going to work out. And I think more times than not, it's. I mean, they will get their championships here and there, but they will not be a consistent uh, Final Four team like they were when they had more of a continuity on their roster. And granted, dare I say, with people like Patino, Tubby Smith as the head coach, as opposed to John Calipari. Rick, what are your thoughts on where Indiana and Kentucky are? Kentucky obviously following in the ranks, but we're also seeing Indiana finally being ranked. Kind of concerned that Marquette is ranked a little bit higher than Indiana because Indiana had a did a pretty good beating to Marquette, but at least Indiana's on the way up. It seems like Kentucky's on the way down. I know if we're an IU fans as we are, we're okay with that, but i ask you the same question. Just ask Matt, do we see an end to a dynasty with Kentucky Wildcats? Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, things might the landscape of college basketball might change with these one and dones. I know. I think I I think there's some rules, or rumors of rule changes co- coming along. 
I, I don't think it's an end to Kentucky whatsoever. I mean, it's still Kentucky. It's one of the it, – you can arguably make it – call it the most elite basketball program, really. It's the dream job of all coaches that, you know, outside of Duke, maybe North Carolina. Uh, I don't think it's an end of a dynasty at all. I, every team has its up, ups and downs, and I agree with Matt. Uh, the one-and-dones, they create no continuity for anybody. So there's a lot of uncertainty year in and year out, and maybe that affects his ranking somehow. And I, I don't know. I guess Kentucky has a, a, a worse record than IU, but ranked higher. Uh, I don't have who they beat in front of me. But I know uh, if they play stronger competition, that would probably be the reason for that. Matt, let's talk a little bit about this FBI investigation. It seems to have disappeared, but it has not, as we saw some indictments come down just a few weeks ago. Um, how big of, a, of an issue is F, the FBI scandal, or we won't call it the FBI scandal, we'll just call it the NCAA scandal. I certainly am a firm belief that if we're going to start paying people, just let them earn their money and let's go on. I could care less if they drive a nice car or if they have a, a good shoe deal or if a shoe helps out a, a school. I could care less. I think the FBI is, is, has outstretched its limits. I, I think they, they should not be uh, the policy police for the NCAA. The NCAA should make some rules and stick by it. I don't know that uh, we have anything that, that should be illegal, but apparently is illegal. And, and so let's talk a little bit about this FBI uh, stuff that seems to have disappeared out of the news line. But as we've seen just a couple of weeks ago, they're still very active in the investigation and indictments were passed. Well, the thing is, though, if you're going to pay players, how is that going to influence Title IX? Because, I mean, there's multiple things going on with Title IX where male students, are student-athletes, are challenging the validity of Title IX, trying to wipe out the protections of Title IX, which I think is a very disgusting behavior. Whatever they're trying to do with that, I think, is very in very poor taste. And maybe that's part of the reason why the FBI is cracking down on this stuff to protect Tile Nine. At least that's what I think is the motivation for it. Because uh, remember, if you're going to play the male athletes, you're going to have to pay the female athletes as well. Because otherwise, that Tile Nine uh, violation is going to come into play. And uh, for the fact that I think you have all these male student athletes attacking Tile Nine, I think it's a very grotesque behavior, in my opinion. And it is not signed well for. I mean, this isn't about amateurism. This is about protecting the ability for female athletes to compete at the NCAA level and be able to do it without any prejudice. And I, I think this is total prejudice that we have all these people trying to take a stabs at Title IX and trying to wreck the future of the female student athlete. I think that's the thing that's going on here, and uh, that's unfortunately kind of getting shoved underneath the rug, but I think it's something that needs to be taken a focus on as to why the FBI is cracking down here because, remember, it's, I mean, the, the gender inequality thing uh, is a big deal here, and I think if you start cracking and start siding with the athletes and paid players, uh, all of a sudden all that work you've done for Title IX uh, kind of uh, goes down the drain, which I think is unfair to the female student athlete that works just as hard as the male student athlete. 
You know what? There's there's some merit to that argument, absolutely. And we do a lot of times we forget about the female uh, athletes who, uh, when we when we talk about uh, women's basketball, I mean, obviously some great athletes in Tennessee and uh, a University of Connecticut and so forth. So I, I I could see merit to that. My my point is not just female athletes. I mean, you're going to have to start paying people across the board. Are are they playing field hockey? Are they playing Are they playing chess club or are if they're associated with the NCAA, uh, they might be entitled to some compensation. One would think if you're if you're just having a a, a, a cross the board rule. Rick will give you the final word, sir. Well, I didn't know what FBI investigation you're talking about, actually. So I'm just going to take a pass on this one. I thought you were talking well, about the. Uh, say, it's the same FBI investigation that's been going on for a couple years, oh, year and a half. Yeah, I I, I'm just saying about that. <laughs> well, that's that, that's my point. That, that that was my point of bringing it up. We we seem to have forgotten about it, but it is still very much going on. And and we saw some indictments, and we've even seen at least two um, jail time sentences handed down. I know within the in the in the most All recent right. months. So yeah, it, it's I, I, just I a, a conversation. I think we talked about this a few months ago, and I just thought the whole thing was a big joke because we see the indictments getting handed down to people you've never seen or heard of or have really no impact or anything. You're talking about the two or three guys indicted for Adidas, right? That investigation? Yes. Uh, yeah, That's just see, part I, of it. I think, I think the uh, NCAA, on, on that matter anyway, is all this stuff has came out made public, so the NCAA wants to, in the public anyway, make, make it look like they're doing something about it, but they're doing it in a way to where they're not losing a dime over anything, you know. So it to me, it's it's like a it's like a big joke, you know. It's just a big joke investigation. Then you talk about big jokes. Uh, what about uh, you talk about Virginia being undefeated again? But is there any way for really Virginia to gain any respect, considering we are still several months removed from uh, them losing to UMBC? I mean, is there any ability to be able to respect the team, even though they've got a lot of talent, mind you, and Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy? But is it possible to respect a team that made history that uh, you really don't want to make last March, or is that uh, old news at this point? I, I don't think it's old news. Uh, I still think you have to give respect to a team like Virginia so far. Uh, we just knew that uh, a, a 16 beating a 1 was going to happen at some point. It just it was going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, not beating it, it 1 by 20 Virginia. points, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. The way the way it happened was, was crazy. Uh, I, I'll still uh, I won't give Virginia a pass, but I, I would just say we knew that was eventually going to happen. And I, I'll give uh, Virginia some credit. If they can bounce back this year, make it to the Final Four, would that make that uh, if that ease the pain a little bit, maybe? <laughs> the thing though that makes it tough though, Virginia Todd though, is can they play a style where the game gets out of hand and teams start scoring against them? They clearly couldn't do it against UMBC when they scored 74 and gave up 53 in the second half. Uh, that's the thing. If one of these teams could figure out how to put points up against Virginia, I think the Cavs could have a lot of trouble in the ACC playoff, especially if a team like North Carolina or Duke could find a way to put points in the basket. Well, we'll see what happens today. They play WNM w- uh, w- or something like that, WM. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what, what happens with them. Well, guys, we've got to leave it there. I believe it's William & Mary. Yeah, it's – 
I, I, I've done went past that screen, but I think it was William and Mary. But any which way, uh, guys, we're going to put a, a cap on this conversation because we're going to be jumping into the NFL uh, playoff uh, preview. I'm going to be at this big game tomorrow with the Colts and the Giants. Uh, yeah. I'm Don't forget about my Bears. One. They're legit. Oh, yeah, the they look legit, really absolutely. good, Pat. They look really good. <laughs> I'm a lion fan. Right, I, I, I'll acknowledge that they look really good. Right, yeah, guys, well, so again, many... like I said, though, if you want to blame anyone, blame the Raiders for giving up Khalil back and us getting him. If you want to blame someone for them being good, blame John Gruden. <laughs> and, you know, here's, here's a uh, scenario, guys. There's a lot of scenarios that are out there. But if you're a Colts fan, you've got to be hating the Baltimore Ravens right now. You've got to be rooting for the Chargers. You've also needed a little bit of a help uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, to, to get a win. Because if the Steelers win, the Titans win, the Colts win, and the Baltimore Ravens lose, that takes care of the Baltimore Ravens. And for the moment, uh, we will move into that bottom seat with the Indianapolis Colts that scenario happening. But we're going to be breaking down all of those scenarios. Uh, uh, Adam Jividen, our, our uh, uh, super fan for the Cleveland Browns is going to be joining us as well. He's going to be uh, talking with us a little bit about how the Cleveland Browns can still get in the playoffs. And who would have thought that was actually going to happen? It's probably not a possibility. But so at this point, talk- is it a lock, Baker Mayfield, for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Uh, I think vote. so, yeah. He would have my vote, that's for sure. And, I, and mean, I know there's Saquon Bar- Barkley out there, but I just think Baker Mayfield's meant a lot more to the Browns than Saquon's meant to the Giants. Especially considering this, you're talking at 0-16-team that actually at one point was in an outside chance. Now, not great a chance, but an outside chance of making the playoffs. And that's a huge turnaround for them. Definitely. Well, we'll certainly uh, see what happens. Uh, um, Rick, you want to st- stick around? Or you got to go? Matt, you want to stick around? You got to go? I got a rock and roll. Going. We got a lot of stuff yep. coming up. Uh, CBS Sports Classic. And then, of course, uh, Saturday uh, NFL. So a lot of stuff coming up this afternoon. All right, guys, we'll be back on the flip side with Adam Jividen, a super fan of the Cleveland Browns, and then Ed Kratz at the top of the hour. We're going to be breaking down this NFL picture, all the scenarios, and what it can mean for your team. My name is Tom Mark Marcel, Presidente, 917 with our digits. We'll talk with you soon. Rick, you have yourself a Merry Christmas, and Matt, you do the same. Yeah, you too. Have a good Christmas, guys. All right, buddy. We'll see you. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Tonight is the seventh night of Hanukkah, and here to sing a Hanukkah song is Adam Sandler. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, well, uh, when, when I was a kid, uh, th th this time of year always, always made me feel a little left out because. Uh, uh, in school, there were so many Christmas songs, and all us Jewish kids had was the song Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel. And uh, so uh, I wrote a brand new Hanukkah song for you Jewish kids to sing, and I hope you like it. <laughs> Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the festival of light. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> but when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish, just like you and me. <laughs> David Lee Ross lights the menorah. So do Kirk Douglas, James Kahn, and the late Dinah Shura. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digits. Thanks to Rick Riggin and Matthew Embry uh, talking a little bit about some college football and college basketball. Joining us now is Cleveland Browns super fan Adam Jividan. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Hey, Merry Christmas to you, Tom. Are you ready for Christmas? You got you got all, every everything done. I know you've got uh, the young in there, and and uh, is Santa Claus ready to come? Is 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 everything ready? Oh yeah. Everything's been ready for a while. I am in a committed relationship with Amazon, and uh, she does all my shopping for me. So it's it's all good well, and ready you know to go. What? And re she she does she does deliver at my house too. So 
there, feel, there feel free you go. To, to send your send your committed relationship my way. <laughs> Sounds good. Speaking of committed, speaking of committed relationships, before we get into your Cleveland Browns, let's talk about this relationship that Denver has with Ohio State. Uh, not as a uh, but as a professor teaching leadership and mentor uh, uh, skills to young lads in the uh, uh, Buckeyes Business School. What are your thoughts? And this is not a story from the Onion, by the way. This is a real story. Yeah, no, you know, Urban, Urban has has actually been teaching uh, there at, at Ohio State for a couple of years. It was something that Jim Tressel did and Earl Bruce before him. Um, but Urban, you know, he he wanted to stay around. He's going to kind of serve as like an associate or assistant athletic director as well, most likely. Um, serving alongside Gene Smith. I think Gene Smith personally is going to retire in a year or two. And I think the next step for Urban is he just kind of takes over as athletic director. We still have the the, the rock star that is Urban Meyer around the program. He can kind of be liaison for, for parents. I mean, personally, to have a young stud coach like Ryan Day come on and keep Urban Meyer around, it's a huge win. Um, for the Ohio State uh, football team. Ohio State and their love affair with Urban Meyer. It is so funny. It's like the base in Trump uh, and their love affair with Trump. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe it's not quite that bad. But anyway, Cleveland Browns may finally be moving out of the darkness, sir. I, I know you need a Christmas miracle, and Santa Claus is on your list. Uh, Baker Mayfield might be a lock for the uh, rookie candidate of the year. What are your thoughts? I, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk that, that he is now catching up to Saquon Barkley. I don't get it. Like, I, Barkley's put up good numbers, but he's put up good numbers in garbage time for a bad team. Um, Baker has come in. He's 6-6. Six and six. Uh, As a starter, um, two more wins would move him to 8-6. and six. And when you consider that Hugh Jackson was a part of a chunk of that, uh, he's been phenomenal since Freddie Kitchens took over um, as offensive coordinator under the leadership of Greg Williams. I, I, he's, been, he's been a pro bowl caliber quarterback since Greg Williams took over as head coach. I, I don't see how it's anybody but Baker. I, I think Baker has galvanized not just uh, the team but the city. Um, he, it's going to make Cleveland the place to be if you are free agents um, or whoever's going to fill the head coaching job. It's now the best job in football, without a doubt. It's the second youngest roster in the league. We have roughly $86 million in cap space right now uh, for next year um, and, and, and all of our draft picks for this upcoming draft. So I, I'm just I'm, – I'm pumped, and I'm ready to see uh, where, we, where we go in 2019. Well, you know, the first thing you got to do, though, is you got to get yourself a head coach. And, you know, there's been talk about Coach Kelly from Notre Dame. There's been talk about Urban Meyer. If you're in the leadership office of the Cleveland Browns, who's on your wish list uh, this Christmas for your head coach in 2019? Uh, So I think, I mean, I've done a lot of thinking. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley coming. Um, I've, I've heard the Brian Kelly Urban is done coaching. Uh, he's he's not he's not leaving um, what he's doing. The name that I keep kind of coming back to um, is is somebody that Colts fans might be familiar with uh, after last year's search. 
and that is Dave Tobe, the Kansas City Chiefs special teams coordinator. He's highly respected around the league. He would likely be able to retain Freddie Kitchens' offensive coordinator, likely be able to retain Greg Williams' defensive coordinator to keep continuity uh, around that team while kind of being able to come in and set the overall tone and direction for the team. So I, the more that, that, that Kitchens and Williams have done so well with this team, the more I'm just looking at we don't need a complete overhaul. We need someone to kind of come in and just uh, continue that upward trajectory while retaining Coach Kitchens and Greg Williams as well. So my number well, one guy is also right. familiar with John Dorsey as well since John Dorsey was in the Kansas City front office just two years ago. So it's Dave Tobe. There we go. That's a, not a bad uh, choice at all. I think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley will also be a good one. But first and foremost, the Browns have to take care of business in Week 16. Uh, you guys have the Bengals this week. Am I correct on that? I think so. That that is correct, and it will be yeah. ugly. So, so you have the uh, you host the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a team that they that you guys beat handily a few weeks ago, then. You guys travel to Baltimore. You can do us a favor by beating Baltimore. San Diego can do us a favor today by beating Baltimore. To beat the uh, the Giants tomorrow, and then of, of course the the Baltimore Ravens will be playing for their playoff hopes. So also, Dolphins must lose one of their final two games. Also, for you guys to get in. Uh, the Ravens uh, must lose to the Chargers in Week 16. That, that that'll probably help you guys out. Uh, and if the Colts and Titans both lose, those are all scenarios that, that you got to be rooting for. But uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. So I, I mean, I, it's it's good to have that that Christmas wish list and and think, hey, we're going to get into the playoffs. But that said, you guys are in a heck of a lot better position than you were last year. I don't know that you went to the playoffs. And this may sound cliche, but you don't have anything to lower your heads about. I don't think you guys are the mistake on the lake this this year. No, you know, I, I think I think we're going to win out, personally. Uh, we're going to absolutely take care of business uh, against Cincinnati. Um, we'll help the Colts out, you know, being here in Indy. And I've been around the Colts program most of my life as well. My mom's from Anderson, so I remember going to training camp at Anderson. So I'm happy to, to lend a hand. To the to the indie faithful and see what Andrew Luck can do uh, in the playoffs, but you know I don't think I don't think we're going to make it. Frankly, there was it's too there's too much that has to happen. But to go uh, by winning out, we would be eight seven and one um, with the the Steelers not getting any younger. The Bengals are the Bengals again, and uh, and you know we'll see what happens with the Ravens. But I think I think what happens is is why I think we went out the, these last two games. I think this Sunday, Baker puts on a show in the last home game, um, maybe puts together his best passing performance to date, something like four touchdowns, 300-some-odd yards. Uh, and, and I see uh, us winning a close game against Baltimore next week um, and then really taking that upward momentum into next year. You know, we're going to be in a place in the draft that we haven't been before, which is really being able to take the best player available. Um, there's not a lot of needs on the team. There are some, but a lot of those needs right now that we have is just depth. We've got a really great starting 22 if they're all healthy, um, but we need to build up that kind of that second 
and eventually third wave, you know, behind them, as you see in the NFL, where, where guys get hurt and you have to have that next man step up. Uh, and that's really the difference between, between the good teams and the great teams. So I think, you know, we could use another uh, receiving threat. Um, we could use uh, a left tackle. Uh, and we could use like a defensive tackle um, next to Larry Ogunjobi and maybe a linebacker. But beyond that, there's not a lot of needs um, on this roster. And John Dorsey still has a treasure chest uh, at his disposal. So I'm, I'm really confident that, that this new front office is just going to get the job done and, and that players are going to want to come play with Baker Mayfield. Well, I <laughs> – I think a lot of people is going to want to play with Baker Mayfield, and and uh, I think it's he's matured a lot uh, from seeing him in college. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, again, you guys have the Bengals. Does Marvin Lewis keep his job again this year? You know what? Here's what I think happens, and, and I'm and I'm hearing a lot of this out of Cincinnati. Marvin Lewis is going up to the front office. He already basically runs the front office, and he's going to hire his good buddy. And I can't for the life of me understand why Hugh Jackson to be head coach. Hugh Jackson's already on the coaching <laughs> staff. You know what, Cincinnati? If you want Hugh Jackson, you can have him. When you had our own players basically be like, see a Hugh, that's a really good indication. The dude had three wins in two and a half seasons. And that's who Cincinnati wants to bring in because Marvin Lewis, that's his guy. Well, you know what? If that's what they want to do, have him because I'm looking forward to beating you every year. <laughs> that, I'm not laughing. I'm just remembering the last time you guys played and the reaction that the players gave uh, to uh, to Cincinnati was funny. Hilarious. Yeah. Demarius Randall uh, intercepting the pass and turning around and handing the ball to Hugh Jackson was the best <laughs> troll job I've ever seen in the history of sports. It did create some, it did create some viral topics, that's for sure. Adam Jividan, super fan of the Appreciate you jumping on board uh, with us today. Real quickly, I think two high honors from the Indianapolis Colts go uh, to uh, Tom, I mean, to, uh, no, to Andrew Luck, not Tom. MVP and Coach of the Year uh, goes to Frank Reich. Both of those awards are uh, in in the Indianapolis Colts. But what are your thoughts about uh, Andrew Luck being snubbed on the Pro Bowl? I, I, Andrew, I mean Andrew got snubbed. I, I don't think it's a question. You know, Tom Brady got on because he's Tom Brady. I think the bigger snub than Andrew, honestly, though, is Darius Leonard. How is Darius Leonard leading the league in tackles by a wide margin? with several sacks and pass deflections, and he gets nudged out by Bernard McKinney from, or from Houston? Are you kidding me? Uh, Luck, Luck has a lot of competition at middle linebacker. Leonard doesn't. He's been the best middle linebacker in all of football, and he gets snubbed. I was like, I don't, I don't even understand who builds this freaking roster if Darius Leonard gets left off. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I don't know. Was he? Was he put on as an alternate? But I could be wrong on that. I I don't have my yeah, list. Yeah, I mean uh, he's an alternate, but they have like they have like six alternates. So ultimately, Darius is going to play in the game. But the big honor is when you are named on the Pro Bowl without being an alternate. You are designated one of the best players at your position. I mean, and 
I, I, I just it was such an oversight. I was I was baffled. De baffled? Is that what you said? De baffled? No, just baffled. Just completely oh. at a loss. You know, I, I can't I, you said. I can't I can't understand how 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 that was how that was that was that that's it is a colossal mistake. Well, what what was not a colossal mistake is having you on today. Adam Jevedan, we appreciate you joining us. Super fan for the Cleveland Browns, 917-889-8516. Good luck to you guys this week, and we'll see what happens as the playoff picture comes together. Sounds good, Tom. I appreciate it. You have a good uh, Merry Christmas. (laughs) You too, Adam. Bye-bye. Adam Jevedan, big Cleveland Browns uh, superman. He's been on before. He has a passion for the Browns like nobody's belief. And I'm glad. I'm glad for the Browns. I mean, obviously they're in that AFC uh, 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 wild card hunt as well. I know that they're actually going to get there, but it's, it's good to hear the passion in his voice for his team. And I've got a lot of passion for my team. And joining us next will be Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, who has a lot of passion for the NFL and Philadelphia Eagles. And we did the Colts, when I say we, I mean the Colts, did the Philadelphia Eagles a big favor last week with a shutout against the Dallas Cowboys. We'll get into all that right coming up next. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike... You know, dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. 
Welcome back to the Palace. My name is Sean Michael President Day. One hour in the books. Thanks to Matthew Embry and Rick Brigham breaking down some college football bowl games uh, for us this weekend and also talking some college hoops. And super fan of the Cleveland Browns, Adam Jividan, uh, who still believes that, there, that there's a chance for a Christmas miracle for the Cleveland Browns. And no, that was not Trans-Siberian Orchestra. No, that was not Mannheim Steamroller. That was Metallica's version of uh, the Christmas Carol. Uh, gotta, gotta have yourself a little Metallica on Christmas. But who is steamrolling right into the playoffs is our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, on his way up to the Big Apple, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, with the Sports Exchange football, maven.io slash Eagles. Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Kratz. How are you, sir? Merry Christmas, Kyle. I'm doing great. Thank you. You know, we tie up on our show, The Christmas Miracle. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of teams out there that won a Christmas miracle. Obviously, the Eagles, uh, the Colts. We talked about the Browns a while ago. Uh, so we'll get into to all of those scenarios. But let's talk a little bit about... Uh, we usually start off with the Philadelphia Eagles. You guys got to be happy uh, with with your win and our win against the the Dallas Cowboys. How about that? Shut out the Dallas Cowboys at home tomorrow. We got the Giants. It's going to be a good weekend for football. Obviously, a lot of games on de- on deck for today. So we'll get into those in just a minute. But let's talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles as they are still in the hunt for a playoff picture. Yeah, they you know they went out to L.A. and really sprung an upset on the Rams. The Rams were like 13-point favorites, and you know here comes St. Nick, jolly old St. Nick, Nick Foles riding to the rescue. <laughs> That's the right. Um, yeah, I mean it's just really amazing what this guy has done. I mean he he not only won the biggest game in the franchise's history with the Super Bowl in February, he won the biggest game of the season in Los Angeles last week. Um, you know, and he's not even the starting quarterback, so it's just crazy when you think about. Uh, what Nick Foles has meant to this organization. And, um, you know, we'll see how the Eagles do against the Texans, how they're able to uh, handle that big win. You you know, you hope that they don't come out flat or feeling good. But uh, it was a big win, certainly, and it kept the Eagles right there in the mix of the playoffs. And then, you know, they did get help from the Colts when they beat the Cowboys. But I don't think the Eagles are going to catch the Cowboys. The Cowboys kind of have to lose out here uh, their final two games, and the Eagles have to win both of them for the Eagles to win the NFC East. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think the bigger help for the Eagles last week came when the 49ers beat the Seahawks. Uh, That puts the Eagles one step closer to the uh, wild card spot and maybe even the fifth seed, depending on how Seattle does. Uh, And then you have the Vikings still in front of the Eagles. So they have to lose somewhere along the line. The Vikings destroyed the Dolphins last week. Uh, They have to go to Detroit today uh, for one of those old time rivalry games. And you know, we'll see if uh, the Lions are up to the task of beating the Vikings. So the Eagles still need help, but all they can do is control uh, what's in front of them, and, and that's the win on Sunday against, a, you know, a very good Texans team who has the number two seed right now in the AFC playoffs. Well, I've compiled a list of different scenarios, and we're going to go through those scenarios and try to get through as many of them as we possibly can. But we had some breaking news this week. Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon announced that he's stepping away from the football to focus on his mental health. Uh, Certainly he's had issues with uh, substance abuse and so forth. Uh, Most recently he's he's facing an indefinite suspension due to marijuana smoking. You know, I'm not a fan of uh, smoking marijuana, so don't get me wrong. I'm not a weed advocate by any stretch of the imagination. But weed is legal in some form or fashion in about 30-some-odd states. 
Why is the NFL still making weed an issue for them? Because, you know, back in the 70s, now we learned from our mistakes, and I'm not saying that, that players should do cocaine and go out there and play uh, football, but, uh, you know, there was a time when the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, on, uh, did cocaine regularly uh, before and after games and so forth. So there, it could be worse, but is the NFL spending too much time focusing on marijuana as an issue when it's not really a performance-enhancing drug? Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I, I agree with you. You know, I think you know marijuana has some medicinal purposes uh, too for these players. You know, they they put their bodies on the line once a week, every week, and uh, you know it helps uh, kind of make them feel a little bit better coming out of a game. I think. I mean, I, I don't know why that's their stance. Uh, I agree with you; it's legal in some states. I don't know why the NFL needs to really test for it, and then you don't want a bunch of potheads playing in the NFL. But I don't think players would do it to that extent or that extreme where it would infect affect their performance. I mean, you know, Josh Gordon is a, is a very talented uh, wide receiver. Now, if it's only marijuana that he's uh, being uh, suspended for, then th- that's probably the wrong, uh, wrong thing for the NFL to do, but it, there could be more there. We just don't know. And uh, you know, with, with Gordon, you know, when he became a free agent after he was released again by the Browns, uh, People praised the Patriots for picking him up. Well, what a great move this is. Why didn't other teams do it? Including in Philadelphia. People in Philadelphia wanted the Eagles to get Josh Gordon. But now here you knew this was going to happen again, and you hoped it didn't. But you kind of figured at some point uh, this would happen. And now it comes at a very bad time for the Patriots. They're losing one of the, you know, one of their key players on offense two games before the postseason starts. So you know they have to overcome that now. Um, so, you know, it's a headache for them. And, you know, of course, then there's Josh Gordon. You feel bad for him. You hope he can get things back on back on track personally. I, I You know, who knows uh, what's going to become of him. Well, we're talking with Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor, and I've, I've compiled a list, a cheat sheet, if you will, uh, and you can help me go through this because you are much smarter than, than I am. Uh, so heading into week 16, uh, here's what's happening. Uh, teams that have cl- clinched the division, we have three teams that have clinched the division. Uh, we have uh, five teams that have clinched a playoff sp- spot. Uh, there are zero teams that have clinched a, a first-round bye. Uh, 14 teams still alive. Seven unclaimed playoff pictures. And uh, six uh, playoff that could be clinched this week. So let's just kind of go. Uh, who could clinch this week? The Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Bears uh, will have to prove have some more company at, by the end of the weekend. The Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Texans, Tec- Texans, and the Patriots uh, all will, will get another chance to officially get their postseason. And of course, we, in the mix in the conversation, there is the Steelers and the Vikings. The Colts need uh, a win from the Steelers. That would help us out a lot. We've got the Giants tomorrow. I'm going to be at that game. It's going to be a huge game. Great seats, great party. We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, but uh, we look at the teams that can clinch in week 16 what are your thoughts uh well the nfl has to be happy with uh so many you know so much up in the air still at this point in the season uh you know the the final weekend before christmas you know that's that's a bonanza that's a ratings bonanza for the nfl and we know they've been doing a booming business with ratings this year anybody who thought that uh, the nfl was in trouble uh, you know a pretty short-sighted view frankly i mean the nfl is stronger as it's ever been and uh, they have to love this this parody that you know here we are a weekend before Christmas so much is still happening or, or can happen um, yeah I mean the Colts you know today's a big day for the Colts even though they're not playing you have the 
you know, you have the Titans that are, you know, going battle against the uh, Redskins. And, uh, you know, certainly everybody in Indianapolis will be rooting for Washington in that game. And, and then later you have the Ravens and the, and the Chargers. And you have to kind of hope, I guess, that the Ravens lose because, uh, you know, they're kind of still in that mix for either the AFC North title with the Steelers or a wild card spot. So, you know, huge rooting interest for Colts fans today. Uh, you know, they can sit back and enjoy these games and root for the you know, the Chargers and the Redskins to do them some favors for tomorrow. And that could make tomorrow's game even bigger. It's already pretty big, but, you know, if those two teams I just said lose, then it's even monstrous for the Colts tomorrow. And, and you're going to be there front and center having fun, living it up, and, and I hope it's a great time and the Colts get a win for you, Tom. Oh, absolutely. Uh, me and my lady are going to a VIP uh, Open bar, all the food and drinks for two hours prior to the to the game. Uh, we got private parking at at the stadium. We've got nice, good seats. I, I'm just saying, I got a pretty awesome lady at Christmas time. I I, I can't complain too much there. So yes, we yeah, are, that's a great gift, wonderful gift. Yeah, and I I totally outkick my coverage. Yeah, totally outkick my coverage, but that's okay. Uh, that's well, good. way to go. Way to go. <laughs> Uh, I'll do it. Well, let's talk a little bit about a team I know you don't want to talk about, but unfortunately it's the NFL and they are part of the NFL. The Cowboys can celebrate a division in Jerry World if they beat, they beat the Buccaneers or they tie the Buccaneers, the Eagles lose or tie to the Texans, and Washington loses or ties the Titans, and the Eagles lose to the Texans and Washington loses to the Titans. <laughs> Make your heads. <laughs> All right, take a deep breath. Deep breath. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the Cowboys really. I mean, they're just. I don't think they're that good. Um, you know, uh, the Colts did a great job shutting them out first time. I think, and you know, I don't know since uh, '03 maybe a long, long time ago. It's hard to get a shutout in the NFL. Uh, so great job by the Colts. And then, you know, to have Darius Leonard snubbed for the Pro Bowl, the linebacker was just criminal. If you ask me, there were so many snubs for the Pro Bowl, and I. And I know the Pro Bowl is not a big deal. You know, it's kind of just a, you know, a name game and and the players vote for guys that just have that name recognition. But, you know, Darius Leonard is having certainly an AFC uh, Rookie of the Year season, and he should win that award. He leads the league in tackles. So great job by that Colts defense to to shut down the Cowboys. Uh, You know, the Cowboys have the Buccaneers and – you know, I, you know, I know what, I don't know what the Bucks are playing for. You know, Deshaun Jackson has put his has sold his house in Tampa. He's probably not going to go back to Tampa. Um, but you know, one of the key matchups there is the, is the secondary against Mike Evans, Tampa Bay wide receiver, who has you know almost 1,400 yards receiving um, against probably Byron Jones, who was named to a Pro Bowl for the Cowboys. So you know, if the, if, that, uh, if the Bucks can stop Ezekiel Elliott or slow him down. Uh, of course, that gives them a good chance to win because Dak Prescott, we all know, is not you know that type of player that's going to win a game really on his own. Uh, he needs help with that running game. So uh, I don't think the Cowboys will have any trouble with the Bucks. I think they'll probably celebrate the NFC East title uh, in Jerry World tomorrow. But uh, you know that's kind of what could be expected. If they lose, then 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 it gets real interesting, especially if the Eagles and the Redskins are, are one of those teams win. Uh, because then we'll come down to the last weekend still not knowing who the champion of the NFC East is, which is nuts. So, uh, but, I, but I expect the Cowboys to take care of business at home against the Bucks tomorrow. 
Well, and there's one way it probably won't happen, but we'll include it anyway. The Cowboys can get their playoff bid without winning the NFC East this week, and that's if the Cowboys tie the Bucks and the Vikings lose uh, to the Lions. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave that, that scenario open there and, and, and see what happens. So we we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look for the, the Cowboys to take care of business and to get into the playoffs. Now, how can the Seahawks clinch wild card spot this week? So the Seahawks had won 10 straight games against the 49ers in, going into last week. Uh, all they needed to do is to guarantee themselves a spot in the postseason was to stretch to uh, the streak to 11. Oopsie, this week uh, they might need a little bit more than just a win. Oh, and rather than that, they're facing Nick Mullins, and they got Pat, Patrick Mahomes uh, coming into town. So the Seahawks need one of the five scenarios to go their way. Are you ready for this? They beat the, the Chiefs, and Washington loses or ties the Titans. Or they beat or tie the Chiefs and the Vikings the Lions. Or <laughs> they beat the Chiefs and clinch uh, the streak of victory tiebreaker over Washington. Or uh, they beat the Chiefs, the Vikings and the Lions tie, and they clinch the streak of victory tiebreaker over the Vikings. Or... Wait for it. Yes, there's more. Uh, they tie the Chiefs. Washington loses to the Titans, and the Eagles lose or tie to the Texans. Uh, so the Seahawks won't be able to get into the playoffs this week. Uh, this week, if they lose on Sunday Night Football, they still need a lot going wrong, out of their control. The Seahawks, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know, that's uh, all they got to do is win, right? I mean, just just have to keep winning and the last week was a kind of a stunning loss for the Seahawks if you ask me they were they were kind of on a roll and the 49ers stung them so uh now they're playing uh, you know obviously the Chiefs are extremely talented and very good now that they, they have some issues of their own of course they uh I think they're on a two-game losing streak the Chiefs uh I know they lost last week I can't remember two weeks ago but um you know the Chiefs are very good now you know the Seahawks are playing at home where a very tough environment and and, you know, that place is going to be rocking like crazy on Sunday night with the Chiefs in town. And, and that's a game I, you know, I'm really looking forward to. I think, I think that's going to be a real – that's going to be a playoff atmosphere up there because, obviously, the Chiefs are still playing for something after having this little slide that they're on. Um, you know, they're still playing for the home field advantage and the division. You know, they're tied with the Chargers now, uh, both teams 11-3. and three. So it's huge for the Chiefs uh, to kind of right the ship a little bit and to go into a place – like Seattle, where it's hard to win, it's loud. Uh, you can always count on a couple false start penalties if you're the opposition in that game playing in Seattle. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a big test for a young kid like Mahomes to go in there and win. And, and if you're the Seahawks, I mean, you know, you're, you still have uh, control somewhat of your own destiny. Uh, so they need to win and, and, and then, you know, turn around and win again next week. But uh, this is a great out-of-conference uh, game, kind of like the Eagles and Texans, you know, good out of conference game, you know, or interconference matchup. Um, you know, I, I love this game, and the Seahawks just have to win. Uh, but the Chiefs aren't just going to roll over, not with some of the issues they had. Well, speaking of my lady, she is a Colts fan, a big Colts fan, but her second love is the Minnesota Vikings. She lived in Minneapolis uh, for several years before getting transferred down here to Indianapolis uh, and where she lives now. But she is a big, big Vikings fan. So uh, call it uh, Kevin Stravaski magic if you want. But the, the Vikings do look like they got a shot in the arm. We'll see if the, that energy can carry over this week. The Bears have already won the NFC North. So Minnesota is trying for a wild card. Uh, so they, so that it, here's what has to happen. They, they beat the Lions. 
The Eagles lose or tie to the Texans, and Washington loses or ties uh, the Titans. My ladies, Vikings get in the playoffs. I had to throw that in there, you know, as as good karma for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they could use some karma, I guess. I mean, the Vikings aren't as good as they were a season ago. And, you know, some of that you have to look at Kirk Cousins. You know, he hasn't really had the kind of season that uh, the Vikings were hoping when they signed him to that, you know, super big contract in the offseason. Um, hasn't really had that breakout game, you know, in these t- last couple months. So uh, I know that John Filippo, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, got fired because he tried to have Cousins do too much, kind of didn't want to run the ball as much as Mike Zimmer wanted. You know, Mike Zimmer's philosophy is play defense, run the ball, control the clock, uh, and then turn over your defense and, you know, try to keep them off the field as much as possible. And uh, that didn't jive with what Filippo was doing. So out the door went Filippo. In comes a new guy. He runs the ball. He gives it to Dalvin Cook a lot. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook looks healthy. So I expect the Vikings to do the same, come in and run the ball uh, against the Detroit Lions. Um, and we'll see if the Lions can stop them. Uh, if not, then, you know, the Vikings are certainly still in control of their destiny. And could wrap it up, like you said, if the Eagles lose, you know, in a tough game against the Texans. And the Reds lose in a tough game in Nashville. Both those things are doable. So, uh, you know, Minnesota plays at one. The Eagles play at one. And we'll already know how Washington did after they played today in Nashville. Yes, today in Nashville, 4.30 p.m. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Texans, those dreaded, hateful Texans. How they can clinch a playoff spot this week. For the first time this season, the Texans control their own playoff situation. They can bring uh, the AFC South uh, crown back to Houston. Uh, uh, They can also clinch a first-round bye, an amazing turnaround for a team that started 0-3, or they can at least have a playoff spot. So the Texans will own the AFC South, uh, bragging rights if this scenario happens. If they beat if they beat the Eagles and the Patriots lose lose or tie the Bills or the Eagles and the Patriots lose to the Bills, even if they lose, the Texans can still uh, get into the playoff picture. If the Ravens lose or tie the Chargers or the Steelers lose or or to the Satan Satan's <laughs> Satan's Saints or. The Titans lose or tie. Washington and Texans clinch the strength of victory tiebreaker over the Ravens. As all things stand now, the Texans hold an advantage over the Ravens. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are the Texans are probably going to lose. I would think the Eagles are going to win this game. Um, I just think that, well, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the Eagles know what's ahead of them. It's been a very loose locker room all week long in Philadelphia. Uh, they've played in a lot of big games like this the last year or so. The Texans are still, uh, you know, sort of an inexperienced team when it comes to that big game. I mean, they went, they played the Jets last week and needed some, uh, you know, late-game stuff to beat a New York Jets team that just isn't very good. Um, Deshaun Watson and that offensive line, you know, Deshaun Watson's been sacked a league-high uh, 52 times this year, um, and the Eagles' front seven is ferocious. You know, we saw that against the Rams. We saw it last year during the Super Bowl run. That that front four that the Eagles run out there, and they have some rotations that they run in there. But uh, you know, and it's a little dinged up this year. They're missing some some guys like Derek Barnett, but it's still extremely good. We saw Fletcher Cox just take over 
uh, that Rams offensive line, throwing linemen around like they were second graders, really. Um, monster game. And Jared Goff, like any quarterback, doesn't do well under pressure. We saw Goff miss some throws late in that game that uh, could have turned the tide in L.A.'s favor. And a lot of that had to do uh, with just feeling that heat. So you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson back there. I know he's a little more mobile than Goff. And, and sometimes this year, mobile quarterbacks are giving the Eagles trouble. Guys like Cam Newton and, you know, Dak Prescott certainly has given them trouble. And Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. So, you know, those kinds of guys can give them trouble. Uh, but still, Watson can be taken down. Watson can be pressured. And then, like most quarterbacks, he becomes a different guy. So I think that's where the Eagles are going to win this game is with that defensive pressure uh, that they're going to be able to get on Deshaun Watson. And, and then, you know, that's the big favor for the Indianapolis Colts. That still keeps them in the running for that title, I believe, should they win, uh, you know, tomorrow against the Giants, which I think they will. Uh, and then it comes down to the final weekend to determine who's the AFC South champ. So I think the Eagles will do the, uh, the Colts uh, and maybe the Texans a favor on Sunday. So real quickly, and, and we'll, we want to move on to just a couple of other things because I know I've got you for a few, just a few more minutes. How the Patriots could clinch the AFC South, I mean, a, 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 and I'm sorry, AFC East this week. First of all, I'm a firm believer, and I hope I'm right on this, that we're seeing an end to a dynasty with the, with the New England Patriots. We've talked about it before. But the Patriots cannot screw up this division-clinching scenario. They beat or tie the Bills, or the Dolphins lose or tie to the, the Jaguars. I mean, if we're to look at paper and we're to look at the, the New England Patriots, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cinch for them. But let's hope that another miracle happens like uh, – happened when Miami beat him or whatever. And let's just because we hate the Patriots so much and we want the end of the dynasty to come sooner than later. Uh, but uh, what are your thoughts on the Patriots this week? Yeah, you know, they're lucky they've, they've played really in, in AFC East all these years, which just frankly hasn't been very good from you know top to bottom at all. I mean, there's really nobody that's ever risen up and, and challenged the Patriots. And, and again, there's nobody in position to kind of take advantage of a Patriots stumble here, I don't believe. I mean, two games left, and, uh, you know, the Patriots kind of, they're, they're going to win that division. I don't see anybody taking it from them. It's just a question now uh, of whether or not they're going to get a first-round bye. You know, all the success and all the playoff runs they've gone on into the Super Bowl have always started with them as the number one seed and, and even the number two seed. You know, that gives you that first-round uh, bye and puts you in a home game. You only have to win one home game to get into the championship game. So, uh, it would be unfamiliar territory if the Patriots have to play on that first weekend, uh, and, and then we could see the beginning of the end if they have to do that. It's a longer uh, road for them. You have a 40-something-year-old quarterback who would have to win, uh, you know, three games to get to the Super Bowl, uh, and he hasn't ever had to do that. I mean, they've always been the one or two seed, and now he's older. So if the Patriots aren't able to hold serve and win out and get one of those top two seeds, you know, we could be seeing the end of the dynasty sooner rather than later. Well, we certainly hope so. Well, we've been talking about it uh, a little bit today. The Colts and the Giants tomorrow, all they got to do is uh, they're at home. We should take care of business. We should beat the Giants. We need some help from the San Diego Char- Chargers to beat the Baltimore Ravens. We also need a win, uh, Pittsburgh to win. And we need a little help today from the Washington Redskins as well. All of those scenarios would help the Indianapolis Colts get in. So let's talk about the Redskins and the Titans. The Redskins uh, are another one of those teams that have uh, 
have come alive, if you will, in the recent weeks and are, are playing some good football, but so is the Tennessee Titans. So the Washington Redskins are at Tennessee. This should be a good, good game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it really should be, and it's probably going to be a real low-scoring game, I would think. You know, the Redskins like to, to play those low-scoring games, and that gives them their best chance to win, uh, especially because you're running Josh Johnson out there, the quarterback, uh, who's only been with the team for a couple of weeks. But, you know, the longer he's been with them, the more playbook you can absorb, the more practice time you get with your teammates. Um, you know, so that, that kind of helps him going into this week. I think it'll be three weeks with the team now. Um, so he's getting a little more familiar with everything, teammates, playbook, being in the building, coaching staff, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think, the, I think the Redskins are a legitimate threat to beat the Titans this weekend. The Titans are kind of a Dr. and Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team. They've been up and down kind of all year. You don't know what you're going to get uh, week in and week out. But I like the emergence of Derrick Henry. Uh, they're, they're, you know, that big running back out of Alabama that is uh, – rushed for big yards the last two weeks. I think he's combined for over 400 yards rushing these last two weeks. He, he looks to be a little bit more patient. He looks to be uh, understanding. He just has to kind of take what he gets. He used to just try to hit a home run every time he touched the ball, and that got him into trouble and, um, you know, led to some diminished playing time. But he's playing smart now. Uh, he's looking like the kind of back that they drafted uh, a couple years ago, former Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, I think he won the Heisman Trophy. Um so, you know, I like what they're doing there, and they're at home. So I, I think, you know, and it's not going to make you or Colts fans happy, but I think the Titans are going to find a way uh, to get a W here. But it's going to be a very low-scoring game. We've been talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, with the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash eagles. Uh, last question, Ed, I know we've got to let you go because you're driving up to New York City. Uh, but – you know, I, I, a couple things. I, I saw. I know I'm a Colts homer here, but I saw that we kind of got snubbed in the Pro Bowl arena. Also, I think two top honors, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a I'm a homer. I'm saying this because I think they've earned it. I think two top honors. Andrew Luck gets an MVP, and Coach of the Year goes to Frank Reich. What are your thoughts about that surrounding the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, you know that's that's very interesting. Um, I think I, I love Frank Reich. I think he's done a terrific job with the Colts. But I, I think that Coach of the Year will probably go to the Chargers coach Anthony Lynn uh, for what he's done with the Chargers. Now Andrew Luck MVP. Um, you know, again, I I would love to see that. I think he deserves it. Is he is he eligible for the Comeback Player of the Year? Um, I, I'm not sure he is. He I would is, think certainly. so. Yeah, I, I think he should win that hands down, um, the comeback player. MVP, gosh, I haven't, you know, I really haven't given that a whole lot of thought. Uh, I think, you know, Drew Brees obviously uh, is in that mix, although he's kind of struggled recently. I think Philip Rivers could get some consideration. But, you know, I, I would put Andrew Luck in that mix. And, uh, you know, there's no clear-cut winner this year, uh, which could favor the Luck. So he certainly deserves to be talked about in that conversation. But I think the coach of the year – um, probably is Anthony Lynn to have that team 11 and three uh, after you know some injuries uh, that they ha- have had to overcome too. I just think that you know he he probably is the front runner uh, for that award. Um, but you know who, who knows? Uh, we'll see. I mean, if the Colts win that that division, my goodness, that would certainly give Frank Reich some leg to stand on to, to to become the coach of the year. 
Um, well, yeah, but, but, but we'll see. We will see, and we are excited to see. I know we've come uh, to the end with you. I hope you have yourself a merry, merry Christmas, sir, and uh, safe travels to you there. And uh, go Eagles and go Colts. Working people hey, yeah, plays are working masterpieces, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, one thing I want to say first time before you go is you're, you have a great time tomorrow at that Colts game. That's going to be fun. You, you won't get to see Odell Beckham. He's not going to play. But, you know, you're going to get a look at Saquon Barkley up close and personal and you know, even though he plays in another team's uniform, you can't help but love watching that kid run the ball. I mean, he, he is just spectacular with what he does. He'll win the rookie. He should win the offensive rookie of the year, speaking of these postseason awards. And, and you're going to get a, right. an up-close look at him. And, and he's fun to watch, man. I'll tell you, he, he's, even though he plays in New York for the Giants, even within the NFC East, and the Eagles have to face him twice a year, I just love watching that kid play. He catches the ball. Uh, he's, he's a great kid. He's got a great attitude. Uh, he's everything you'd want on your team, and just enjoy watching him play because you never know when you're going to see him live again, uh, and it's a treat to watch him play. So, enjoy yeah, that. I appre- I appreciate that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And as far as the rookie of the year, uh, Baker Mayfield may have something to say about that as well. But certainly, uh, he he will yeah. be in 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 the in the mix as well. All right, uh, Ed, you have yourself a, a great Christmas, and we'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Tom. Merry Christmas to you and yours. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll see you. Ed Kratz, our official, our official NFL contributor, uh, joins us uh, in beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and you can find his work at the Sports Exchange W dot footballmaven.io slash eagles. We'll be right back. Right after this, we're going to get into some Pacer and NBA talk. Grant Alstiff joins us, obviously a, uh, a columnist for the Kokomo Tribune for the uh, Pacers, a uh, college student at Arizona State University. He joins us and talks some uh, NBA and some Pacers uh, here in just a moment. We'll get back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. 
Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Welcome back to the balance. 917-889-8516 is our digits. We are widening it down. We got about 20 minutes left in the clock. Thanks to Rick Rigg and Matthew Emperor joining us earlier on in the show to talk some college football and college basketball. Also, super uh, fan of the Cleveland Browns. Adam Jibbiden joined us as we talk a little bit about those Cleveland Browns and his hopes for a playoff picture. Uh, we'll see what happens there. And of course, uh, we just got done talking to uh, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and our official NFL contributor, breaking down all of those scenarios. Believe me, there are more. I'm sorry we could not get to all of them, but we're going to shift gears over to the NBA now a little bit with Grant Ossip. Uh, Grant, always to uh, have you on board again this year. Uh, I know that you joined us a little bit last year. And now, are you in Arizona or are you in Indiana today? Uh, I'm actually in Texas visiting family for uh, Christmas. Okay. okay, so you're in Texas. So you're in, you're in the warm. You're still in a warm weather uh, client uh, client climate uh, area. So for Christmas, uh, that's good. Uh, Grant is uh, uh, certainly a student at Arizona State University, studying uh, sports media. Does a great job covering the Pacers for the uh, Kokomo Tribune uh, and the and Indiana Pacers columnist for the Kokomo Tribune and Indy. Uh, coverage as well, and certainly a couple more years there at Arizona State before he goes out there and conquers the world of sports media. So, so glad you could join us. Let's talk a little bit about Miles Turner and the Indiana Pacers. Miles Turner has turned a leaf. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he has too. I think um, you know, over this last month, he's averaging a little over 15 points, just under 10 rebounds, and surprisingly, three and a half blocks per game. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I think this year um, the main thing about him is that he started off a little slow, um, and then he missed a game because of an ankle injury, and it seemed like he he was playing through something. So I feel like I feel like he was able to kind of you know get closer to 100%, and then that's why we're seeing improved results since he came back from that injury. And, um, you know, uh, I think another thing, too, is that, like, he's gotten a little more offensive involvement and more more playing time as well since returning from injury. And, you know, that may be correlating. But, um, you know, that's helped him quite a bit. And he's – I think this is arguably 
uh, in December, probably his second best month of his career, arguably first, if you're going to take defense and rebounding in consideration. Because he's had one month, I believe it was uh, January of 2016-17 season that he averaged a little over 17 points per game. So he's definitely playing some of the absolute best basketball of his of his uh, NBA career right now. So let's talk a little bit about Victor Owen Depot. I, I know he says he's about 90, 90%. He's, he's certainly uh, becoming more and more involved in, in, in the games here recently. Uh, great win over the Nets, uh, winning, uh, stopping their seven-game winning uh, streak. Uh, but still, uh, we're at 21-12. and 12. Victor Owen Depot is a big part of that 21. Absolutely. I think, um, I think the important thing about uh, that game uh, last night against the Nets is that, uh, you know, he looked like himself in the fourth quarter. I think, uh, you know, those last two games, uh, late game uh, shortcomings with, uh, you know, him leading the charge and, you know, missing free throws, uh, you know, missing some shots. Uh, I think um, – I just don't think he uh, he's quite at that uh, – you know, obviously, as he said, he's not at 100%. And I think the reason why we saw – those shortcomings in the fourth quarter, those last two games, is because in the three previous games that he was playing, they didn't need him to have heroics in the fourth quarter. They all, they won by double digits. So that's that's why I think uh, you know it was, it was intriguing to see him uh, put on a display like that last night because that's the first time he's uh, you know he's kind of led shoulder the load in the fourth quarter and you know truly um, you know took over a game since coming back. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Indiana Pacers going forward, and and what, as we look as we look going into the the trade deadline coming up in February, are there any hot buttons that the Indiana Pacers are looking at? Who do you think stays with the Pacers? Do we do we do we make some deals? Do we go out there in the uh, in in the market and, and, and try to uh, make some uh, wheeling and dealing and shaking and baking, if you will? I think the main thing is that uh, I've envisioned them keeping, you know, their roster mostly intact. But um, something that uh, was mentioned a couple weeks ago is that uh, the Pacers may be willing to uh, deal either Darren Collison or Corey Joseph, you know, to make room for uh, Aaron Holiday in uh, in their rotation. Um, you know, uh, I think with Tyreek Evans uh, struggling, uh, if he – you know, continues to uh, struggle all the way up until that uh, trade deadline. It's uh, I don't know if they'd move him, but it's kind of hard to uh, envision them kind of sticking with what they've got because the whole premise of their free agency, uh, um, you know, class last uh, or this last summer was that Tyreek Evans was going to be the secondary playmaker that they needed, and he'll be big come playoff time because. You know, he can keep defenses honest against Oladipo whenever teams are playing, you know, a playoff-style defense, which has not been the case at all. He's He hasn't played much with Oladipo, relatively speaking, and um, he definitely – he's only I think he's only played like one minute in clutch situations, which is classified as when the game is uh, has five minutes or less remaining and the score is, uh, you know, five points. Or, or less in scoring differential. So that's definitely not been the case with what they, uh, you know, were, were saying that they uh, were acquiring this summer. 
We're talking with Grant Ostiff, a student at Arizona State University, columnist for the Kokomo uh, Tribune and Indy Sports Coverage, uh, talking about the Indiana Pacers. Joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, we're talking a little bit of NBA and the Pacers. We're gonna, we, we may have some time with you to, to get a little bit into the NFL playoffs uh, this weekend picture. But as, as we look at the Pacers and we look at the, the, where they're at at a 21-12, and 12, obviously great win over the Nets, uh, snapping their seven-game winning streak. We're talking about uh, Grant was just talking with us a little bit about uh, the the new Miles Turner as opposed to the old Miles Turner, and uh, certainly Victor Owen Depot and uh, coming up on the trade deadline. I know you were hearing a little bit of that conversation, but what say you, sir? Well, you know, I think the uh, the Pacers obviously need to get better at closing out games. We saw them uh, take a few losses uh, here this past week that. Uh, you know, it should have been wins of the the missed foul call against Toronto, but uh, I think the way that they just kind of fell apart at the end against Cleveland uh, was uh, something that a good playoff basketball team shouldn't do. Uh, you know, Victor Oladipo missing some key free throws at the end of that game. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a team that it feels at time. Uh, you know, it, it lacks that uh, that second star to complement Victor Oladipo. Uh, I know Grant talked about uh, you know Tyreek Evans struggling, and that's one of the things that he was picked up for. So. It really feels like there really needs to be that that second option that is scary to people that uh, you know that uh, that's not Victor. So I think that's one thing that uh, hopefully the Pacers can figure out how to uh, how to acquire either now or or in the off season. Grant, the Pacers are, are three and a half games back uh, from the lead of the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, we had the Toronto Raptors this uh, week, and the Bucks are only uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are only a game and a half behind. Uh, the Pacers are at a good, solid number three position, uh, but tied with three and a half games uh, behind the 76ers. As we walk around the NBA in the standings, uh, what are your thoughts on the Pacers uh, being number three in the East? I think at the you know at the current moment I think that's probably an ideal spot where they would they should be uh, shooting for because the East is practically a, you know a five team conference in terms of uh, having teams that are legitimately uh, capable of having postseason success. So I think uh, I think right now you know they're tied with the Philadelphia 76ers have the exact same record. Um, you know I think uh, I think it's pivotal that they uh, that they hold on to that third spot come you know by the end of the season. Um, you know, I think I think something that's been kind of surprising is uh, the Boston Celtics have not been nearly as good as what uh, many thought they would be, including myself. And uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be changing, you know, relatively soon either. So I, I think I think they're probably looking at a top four seed. And um, you know, I think the three spots something they definitely need to to be shooting for. Mo, let's talk a little bit about the West. And the Nuggets are surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, number one, followed by the Thunder and the Warriors, both of those tied at one game uh, back at three games. Obviously, we're used to seeing the Warriors in the number one slot. The, the Denver Nuggets in the number one slot seems kind of foreign. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Denver's kind of shocked everybody this year with their play, but they've drafted well. They've signed well, done well in the offseason. Uh, you know, and the Warriors have uh, have had some drama with their basketball team this year. And uh, but after uh, seeing some film of uh, Boogie Cousins in practice, when uh, when he returns to that, when he comes into that lineup uh, after uh, the first of the year or after the All Star break, wherever he's shooting for, that's going to be one scary lineup uh, uh, in the West. So yeah, I mean, you know, Denver being there is great. Is it something they can sustain? I think is what you look at when a team is surprising in the first half. Is it, is it success they can sustain throughout the whole season? And uh, that's what will be interesting to see. 
Let's get into some college hoopage. Uh, obviously, uh, you can't have the NBA without college hoops. This is the time of year we kind of sh- start shifting gears uh, to college. We'll start with you, Grant. Uh, let's just let's just let's just indulge in that huge victory Indiana had over Butler. We saw Romeo Langford, but at the same time, we saw a rather weaker Indiana team beat a rather weaker uh, team. Uh, what can we read into the tea leaves and the Crossroad Classics and then also Notre Dame beating uh, Purdue? I don't know which was the more polished herd in that game, but what an historic great win it was for Indiana University to beat Butler at the buzzer. Uh, what are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, I think uh, I think the the number one thought is that uh, I, I love the whole setup for the Crossroads, Crossroads Classic. I think, uh, you know, I think it served exactly what, you know, you would want it to serve with, uh, you know, IU – having one of, you know, a memorable moment at the buzzer against Butler. And, uh, you know, I think the number one thing about IU so far has been, um, you know, they've, they've had a, a pretty strong start to the season, but they're, they're letting teams, uh, you know, before their last few uh, blowout wins um, after the Crossroads Classic, like against uh, more, uh, more uh, talented teams, they've, they've let them take them, you know, down, down to the wire. And they're going to have to, uh, you know, they're going to have to be more impactful uh, throughout the you know the the earlier uh, parts of the game and not get down um, you know again when they start Big Ten play and uh, I, I think another thing too is that um, you know they need they need to improve their transition offense. Romeo Langford has been effective in a lot of areas, but he's been very ineffective in transition, and uh, that's translated to the you know the team's success as well. Mo, do we still think that Romeo Langford's a one and done? Mo, can you hear us? Uh, yes, can you hear me? There he is. Okay, there, yeah, I can hear you now. We can uh, hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I think if, if he could leave now and go to the NBA, I think he would. There's times that he looks uh, completely disinterested in what's going on in the floor with some of these lesser teams that they play. Uh, you know, I think for IU, the big thing is is cutting down on their turnovers. They, they've amassed a ton of turnovers in a few games, and, and then some poor free throw shooting we've seen. Uh, has hurt him in games uh, down the stretch. We saw it uh, against in the loss to Arkansas. So, uh, you know, I think uh, keeping Romeo Langford engaged will be uh, uh, something that uh, Archie Miller's got to do. But, you know, getting this team overall to cut down, you know, like Grant said, in the transition, they turn the ball over a lot. So uh, you cut down on turnovers. And then definitely when they're making it to the line, hitting those free throws. Let's talk a little bit uh, uh, just about teams in general. We were talking earlier on in the show about how good Duke is. Uh, and how 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 Kentucky has kind of uh, fallen down the the slopes, if you will, uh, in the in the in the rankings. And it seems like because we were talking about these one and duns and about rolling your your dice and then one and duns. Grant, so let's start with you. Obviously, uh, when we look at uh, some of the top. Uh, schools right now duke is one of them that comes to mind obviously but kansas is number one duke tennessee uh number three michigan number four and virginia number five what are your thoughts as as we begin to look at these uh, teams and kentucky just seems like it's going in the opposite direction i mean i know i'm an iu homer and i'm not a big kentucky fan but that said it just seems like that kentucky has has rolled their dice on these one and duns and these big these big players as opposed to actually building a program and now it's coming back to bite them. Yeah. I think the number one thing is that, uh, you know, Duke Duke's hoarding a lot of talent right now. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to be able to, uh, you know, to overcome, 
you know, one team getting uh, three three likely uh, top ten uh, picks with one of them likely being the top pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just don't think it's – I think it's one of those reloading years uh, for, for Kentucky for sure. I think, uh, you know, when you uh, you don't build up a, a program, uh, you know, with uh, with veterans, I think, uh, I think you can have years like this. And I think uh, not getting some of the top talent has probably been, uh, been that main uh, cause. Well, let's talk a little bit about, about James Wiseman. I, obviously, one of the country's top recruits in the class of 2019 announced uh, uh, his commitment to Memphis in November by unveiling a unicorn-shaped adored tiger. Obviously, this is a future NBA lottery pick. Is he a one-and-done, big seven-footer? Uh, and, and obviously, he says something for Memphis and, and their ability to recruit top recruits. And do we lose you again, Mo? <laughs> Earth calling Mo again. Mo, Mo, Mo. Hello? Hello? Can you hear us? We can hear you now. We can hear you now, sir. Yeah. Stop playing I with that mute button. At all, so. <laughs> no, I couldn't hear you at all. I'm not sure what you asked me if you asked me anything. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, I was just asking you uh, about just uh, top college recruits. Uh, and I lost, I was talking about James Wiseman, who who's one of the top recruits uh, that uh, committed to Memphis. Uh, and he's a, a NBA uh, lottery pick for sure. Big seven footer. What are your thoughts about how good of a recruit is James Wiseman? And, and what does it show that Memphis is able to recruit good recruits? Well, I, I think, you know, one thing it shows is, is the power of a guy like Penny Hardaway, who's a, you know, obviously a great player that a lot of people, you know, that remember, but uh, you know, He's also a guy who's passionate. If you watch him uh, in his press conference after uh, after playing Tennessee, uh, he's a guy that definitely I think has helped put that basketball team back on the map. As far as Wiseman goes, you know it, it's it's hard to tell exactly how great a guy like that's going to be, especially when you're a guy that big who's having a hard time getting some pub because of a guy like Zion Williamson. So I think unfortunately for him, uh, he's been overshadowed a little bit by Zion. But as far as the recruiting goes in West from Memphis, I, I think, you know, Penny Hardaway coming in the living room, uh, if it's not somebody that the kids watch, you know, obviously somebody that the parents watch, and I think that's a big deal when you've got a, a personality like Penny Hardaway that comes in your living room when you're trying to recruit kids. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I thought you were going to say something else there. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to move on to uh, just a couple more minutes here and because we'll, the Colts play tomorrow. They play the Giants. Uh, they're still in the playoff picture. Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts about the Indianapolis Colts getting into the playoffs? Does it happen? Does it not happen? What are your thoughts about Frank Reich, Andrew Luck? What say you? Well, I think uh, I think they, they will get it, barely. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like they'll win their last two games. And uh, I feel like some dominoes will fall in their favor to get that, that final wild card spot. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't, though, because, uh, you know, other teams taking care of their own business prevents, you know, their, their, own, their own path to the wild card. So, uh, you know, I think Frank Reich's doing a really, really good job. I think, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty great to see uh, the type of offense that he designs um, as opposed to a Chuck Pagano offense. And I think, uh, you know, adding more pieces to that team uh, in dynamic talent, especially at the receiver position, they could, they could be pretty, something pretty special, um, you know, in the, these coming years. 
Mo, what are we looking for for tomorrow with the Colts? And, of course, today the Washington Redskins and the Titans and the Ravens and the Chargers. Go Chargers. Yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, the Chargers do a pick up a big win today against Baltimore. Uh, you know, for me, I think for the Colts, it's going to be interesting to see what tactic that Chris Ballard takes uh, in the offseason. You know, whether the Colts make the playoffs or not, there was a report yesterday uh, out of New York that, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell prefers going to the Colts. The Colts have never really, you know, targeted big-time free agents like that, big-money free agents like that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what pieces Chris Ballard does add and how he adds them. You know, he's, he's done well at adding pieces from the draft. Uh, you know, would the Colts consider a guy like Le'Veon Bell, A, with his track record, and B, with the kind of price tag uh, it would bring, especially, you know, they have the most salary cap uh, in the NFL to use, but uh, is that the, the way that Chris Ballard is going to go? So I think that's the, the interesting part uh, will be uh, the offseason. You know, I, I hope the Colts uh, – make the playoffs. It'll be fun to see them wreck a few teams' uh, you know, hopes in the playoffs. Uh, I think they're a very good football team, and I think they have a chance to be a great football team, which is, you know, shocking thinking that we were unsure at the beginning of the year after the Colts started 1-5 and five, what this football team's future was. So uh, I, I think Frank Reich has done a phenomenal job. I, I think that this offensive line has been great. Uh, you know, there's been impressive young guys on defense, obviously. Uh, it's, it's a fun football team to watch again, and I think they're uh, on the uh, edge of being great, depending on which way Chris Ballard wants to go and how he builds this football team. All right, guys, we've got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. Grant, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, you can find uh, my Pacers uh, coverage at indianasportscoverage.com as well as uh, the Kokomo Tribune. Uh, I, run a, I write a weekly column for them. Well, we look forward to, to, to doing that, and thank you, uh, Grant, and you guys have a, a Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. You too. Mo uh, from the BS Sports Show. Mo, are you ready for Christmas, sir? Oh, God, no. I'm getting ready to do Christmas shopping today. <laughs> well, I'm in a committed relationship with Amazon, so I'm, I'm good to go. All, all, all is good <laughs> to go. <laughs> and I have a short list, too. So anyway, uh, so uh, I hope you have a good a good Christmas. Where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? Uh, I have none, so just read Grant stuff. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, buddy. You have yourself a Merry Christmas. All right, buddy. You too. All right. We'll see you. All right, guys, that's going to do it. we got to wrap it up, put a bow on it. That's our Christmas miracle show. Who gets in, who gets out, we'll, we'll decide. We'll find a lot of that out today, I hope. Uh, at least uh, we'll get a clearer picture anyway. Uh, man, these scenarios are enough to make your head spin. I'm dizzy. Uh, but it uh, should be a lot of fun uh, watching these things unfold. Thanks to Matthew Embry uh, joining us for some college football talk. Uh, Rick Riggin. Uh, Adam Jividen, super fan of the of the uh, Cleveland Browns. Ed Kratz, Grant Ossiff, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. My name is Tom Marcus. I wish you and your family the merriest of Christmas. I hope this is one of the best uh, for you. I also hope that you don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Remember, it, it is not cool. Everybody gets their safe. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente. We'll see you next Saturday. Merry Christmas.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.